tonight on this highly erotic episode of It Crept from the 80s. Uh, we're going to talk about something that isn't from the 80s at all. There's going to be a quick video, uh, hopefully, uh, folks, but this, I'm going to talk about a little bit about my filmmaking and some of the films that I've made. And I'm just going to show you some of the flicks that I've made, like little, I'm going to bring up the, the covers. You can see the, <laughs> the truly artful, tasteful, and, um, uh, you know, true cinematic gems of our time. It was created by me, pretty much, and you'll see these titles and some of the stuff you get to uh, witness if you're so lucky. You know, it could change your life. <laughs> See, my art, or fart, if you will. High garbage, I call high garbage. Anyway, yes, I have been making films. Um, in this February, it'll be 29 years. Now, growing up in the 1980s, as I did, uh, I was making a lot of silly backyard uh, epics with our family video camera and those beautiful over-the-shoulder video cameras and uh, and that was we got one when I was seven years old that was 1984 and I just started I basically you know stole it from the family and just started using it myself making a lot of like silly Jason and Freddy movies or whatever silly stuff, Monty Python-style stupidity. Um, but I like to say, and this is kind of where I start my the 29 years off, is uh, when I was 14 years old in 1991, um, when I kind of said to myself, you know what, I want to put a name to this and really start like writing it down and actually writing scripts and things like that and creating characters. Uh, low budget pictures was the first thing that I ever did <clears throat> um, with a name like that. 1991. So there we are. We are 29 years. I can't believe next year is going to be 30 years of doing this garbage. Uh, so and I make the things that I love: um, 80s pop culture mixed with uh, big boobs, mixed with <laughs> uh, big natural breasts, not fake. I don't like those fakies as I called them, even back in the day. No fakies. I like the big natural breasts. I like the curves. The softness. The pudding. You know what I'm saying? Anyway, so uh, I would mash the horror genre with comedy genre. Uh, absurd comedy, like the Zucker Brothers and Monty Python and that's, that type of stuff. And then the boobs, bush, and butt steak of, you know, shitty B-movies and all that stuff. And it was just a concoction of... of Deceiver. It was everything that I loved into one thing, and that's the, the stuff that I love to make. Um, so it's, I don't, I mean, it's, I call it comedy horror, but it's really, it's just comedy with horror elements, straight up. Um, horror style characters, themes, but it's through and through, they've always been comedies. I've never made a, a serious film, and I, and, I don't think I have a serious bone in my body at all. I think it's all funny bones. Um, so, you know, I've gotten questions, 
here and there. Because um, there's a lot of people who have come to this channel that have no, have no idea about the, the movies that I've made. And they're just here for the, the 80s content and the memories and all that stuff, which is great. Um, but this is a chance just to show off some of the stuff that I have done. Um, and maybe, you know, if you want to check them out, you can go right to the filmmaker, me, and purchase some of these gems on DVD or, or uh, Blu-ray with some of them. And I always do great bundle deals, you know. Some of the fans of my stuff throughout the years, they can come here, they can attest. I do some great bundle deals and you get a lot for little, you know. Because I made a lot of movies, <laughs> so I can offer a lot. Um, total, I've made about 62 films. Uh, and I only really have or offer about 46 of those films. And then there's a plethora of them that's sort of out in the world because of different distribution companies picking my stuff up and putting it out there. But I never see dollar one from any of that. That is... Those companies and, and, you know, thanks to the contracts, they're making money off my, my blood, sweat, and farts. But that's okay. At the time it was okay, because <laughs> I just wanted my stuff out there. Now I'm definitely a starving, starving artist. I'm in my 40s, and I'm always saying to myself, why am I doing this? What's the point? I hate it, but I love it, but I hate it, but I love hating it, and I love to hate it, and I hate to love it. <laughs> so... It's a never-ending whirlwind of pain and pleasure, indivisible. It's like the Hellraiser saga in my soul. Alright, so um, I'm not going to go through like everything that I have, but everything here um, is available and I can make. I, I make to order because I don't, I don't have a business. This isn't a business. Um, and uh, truth be told, when, when the companies uh, did put out my stuff, I always had to buy my films anyway <laughs> from them if I wanted them. Uh, so, But I've met some amazing people throughout the years because of, uh, because of the movies that I've made. Um, most of my very close friends, who I call the extended family, are a part of these films. Uh, they're what really make the magic happen. I just write and direct, and they, the crew, bring it to life. Um, the gang. Um, but I've had a lot of loyal and dedicated people behind me. Um, like I said, throughout the years, meeting people at conventions, uh, I've sort of gathered a loyal cult following, a nice fan base. Um, I mean, a lot of them are gone now because I've been doing this for so long and I guess, you know, the shtick gets old and I get it. I totally understand it. Um, but I'm still here and I'm pseudo making <coughs> stuff. <laughs> um, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start from sort of when people started noticing us. Um, the films that really got uh, an audience outside of my little Wellsville town <laughs> and and friend group to to know who we were, um, and that's and you're gonna, folks, you're gonna see some very weird titles. Um, that's because a lot of this stuff is just 
the titles I found to be um, eye grabbers. You know, uh, most of the time the titles don't have anything to do with the films. It's more so a an eye grabber to be like, what the what the hell is this? And then the contents inside is the movie is not that. And case in point, two quit. Um, the Anal, Pe Anal Paprika Trilogy, right here. <laughs> um, just two, two words that are very funny together. And actually, I found out through conventions and through people at conventions that there are, there's a movie series called Anal Paprika out there in the, like, foreign markets that are, that are, I guess they're, like, like smutty dirty gross horror like porny type films i don't i don't know what they are i never bothered to investigate but i just thought that was so weird and somebody out out there had the same like you know what let's <laughs> let's take those two words and put them together and create magic uh mine is just silly um, so, in 1999, we made Anal Paprika, and then in 99 and 2000, 2001, we made Anal Paprika 2 and 3. Um, and these are the movies that really sort of started to get a, a following around the convention scene. Um, well before DVD, this was... Uh, well, DVD was coming out around 99, but we didn't, we certainly didn't have DVDs yet. We were, so it was all VHS. And before that, we were doing VHS, because we started uh, going to conventions to promote low-budget pictures in 96. I was going to conventions since 93, but 96 was like the jump, and we were like, you know what, let's do the VHS thing, and let's go out and see what happens. Um... So, so that was VHS, uh, and we took them to a bunch of different conventions, and we started getting a fan base from these ridiculous movies, and these movies are just, it's a, a trio of best friends who have really weird, goofy uh, adventures, gross, silly, and that's another thing, folks, you gotta, you have to have a very open mind an absurd style of, of humor to enjoy all of my stuff. It's it's offensive for a reason. There's a there's a reason behind everything that's that's offensive and and off putting and gross in there. Uh, one to make you laugh, and two is to sort of throw back the stereotypes that I can't stand. And sometimes we. We pull it off, and sometimes it just comes off as offensive. <laughs> uh, but it's definitely not meant for that. Um, anyway, so these films. These are the films that uh, started it all. Goofy, weird, there's vampires, there's lesbian witches, there's transient, uh, mentally challenged uh, weirdos in the woods, John Stamos, it's all there. <laughs> the Anal Paprika Trilogy. Um, <clears throat> and then after that, Sort of what what really really pushed us into the next stratosphere, the the next uh, cosmos, the next dimension, as far as people seeing my stuff, uh, was a movie 
that I did in 2000 called Malva Zombie Ass Kicker, which is actually celebrating its 20th anniversary this year. <laughs> Insane. Uh, so, and this was on VHS, and we, we, you know, we was promoting at conventions on VHS. But so this is the this is the Tempe Entertainment uh, version of Malva. She is not in the film. This is not Malva. Um, so Malva, I made when I moved to Long Island, uh, and I was working a lot, not for, but with trauma. Um, and I moved actually in with a bunch of fans of the Anal Paprika films. And um, I made Malva. I first wrote like a like a little short for Malva, and we shot it down there in Long Island. And then we made the the longer movie, Malva Zombie Ass Kicker, which of course is a Halloween <laughs> horror comedy um, about a really geeky nerdy chick, really annoying geeky nerdy chick who who was afraid of Halloween because of a very stupid reason. And then finally, one, one Halloween, she decides to buck up and go out and go trick-or-treating. She's obsessed with candy. She loves sweets and things like that. And and all hell breaks loose when a zombie apocalypse happens. And, and uh, you know, um, Troma helped me produce the film at the time. Uh, Doug Sackman was a huge, huge uh, supporter of the film. And he, he helped us do a lot of stuff. Andy's in the film, Lloyd Kaufman, all that stuff. Um, so, <clears throat> I made the movie. It was languishing around for a while on VHS. We went to convention to convention, promoted it, whatnot. And then, um, in, uh, 2001, we, I got a phone call from, from J.R. Bookwalter, who, who ran Tempe Entertainment and who was a, a filmmaker that I very much loved and was inspired by, um, in the late 80s, early 90s of Shot on Video Horror, which was a huge, huge inspiration. Um, and he asked if we had distribution and if Troma had a lock on it. And I was like, no. And he was like, do you want distribution? And I was like, yes. And then that started a, uh, I mean, you know, a 10-year-long relationship where he uh, put out all of my films. Uh, but Malva is the first one that really sort of got out there on a full moon disc. And then we made a movie called Filthy McNasty, which I will show off. Well, the first one is a, on a double feature with Malva that you can get from Tempe and also from me. Um, uh, but so the first Malva and the first Filthy McNasty were on full moon features. They were the bonus features on full moon DVDs. And uh, so those were the first DVDs we ever had, which were amazing. Um, and then because those did so well and the reviews for the Full Moon movies uh, weren't as good as the reviews for my movies as the bonus features, um, Tempe decided to do its own double feature of Malva and Filthy with some extras and everything. And But really it's those, those releases that sort of garnered the the bigger audience that we had for a, a long time. Um, 
And I will show off... We ended up doing... <laughs> we ended up doing four of these. So, um, this is Filthy McNasty 2 and 3. And this is Filthy McNasty 4. Um, so, they're, they're all here. And the Filthy McNasty series was really just about a demon. Or a, a group of demons uh, based on a... Uh, hentai that Casey and I laughed at and loved growing up called La Blue Girl. And in La Blue Girl, there was the schema sex demons. And so I was just like, ah, I'll make a movie about these schema sex demons who, who are sort of like terrible sexual demon uh, uh, genies. So somebody would wish they had something in life. Uh, so Filthy McNasty, it's like the girls want to be hot and, and wanted and so that everybody would love them in school. So, you know, uh, they would do an incantation and then, oh my gosh, the sex demon would come and grant them the wish. But, you know, there's consequences. So the sex demon got to basically <laughs> have sex and destroy everybody he had sex with. Uh, throughout uh, the entirety of the films. And so each movie is sort of like that. And they do sort of continue. Um, there's like characters throughout that kind of continue through. And that's and that's sort of what we did from the get-go when I was doing Low Budget Pictures, is I just had this... I would create this cadre of, of characters and they would intertwine in all the flicks. And it was the LBP, I guess, universe and... Everything was in Bonejack Hill, uh, or Bonejack High, which was the town <laughs> that, that they all hung out in. You know, it was cool. So those are the Filthy McNasty movies. Very, they're probably the most offensive stuff I've done, and that was because at the time um, when Lloyd Kaufman and I were friends, um, he he was he was very into pushing the limit and pushing the uh the boundaries of of taste and all that stuff so we were like you know what let's let's sort of do our version of that and uh we certainly did so they're the most foul <laughs> of the stuff that i've done but also the most silly certain well not i'm just saying they're they're just silly it's very silly and just very gross and if you can get into that kind of stuff check them out very all this stuff is extremely low budget some shot on VHS, some shot on digital video, and then some shot on uh, like 1080p and uh, 4K and all that stuff. So it just kind of went up throughout the years. Um, now let's do... So, okay, so in, the, in 1999, um, uh, a, a character named Teen Ape was created. Uh, it was my version of... Teen Wolf. We couldn't do Teen Wolf, so we just did Teen Ape. And it was sort of a memory that I had because um, in the late 80s we did this thing in Wellsville, my hometown, called I Was a Teenage Ape. And my friend Kyle Torok played, <clears throat> essentially, Teen Ape at that time. Um, that version, of course, changed and it was different. And the first time Teen Ape was introduced was in Anal Paprika 2 in 99-2000. Uh, and then in 1997, which very few people have seen this, uh, it, it was a anthology film called Bloody Nipples, 
which later became bloody evil thanks to a company that was putting my stuff out on VHS in the early 90s, uh, Cemetery Cinema, Todd Cook and Cemetery Cinema. So he changed a lot of my stuff from the early 90s into different different titles and stuff like that. So this anthology, Bloody Nipples, um, had a character named Bone Jack, okay? So I took that Bone Jack character from the 97 anthology and put him into Malva, um, and then Teen Ape was a reoccurring character in all the anals and and uh, Filthy McNasties and Malva and things like that. Um, but for some reason, uh, the characters of Teen Ape and Bone Jack became very popular, much to our chagrin. <laughs> I mean, it, certainly at first it was amazing. We were like, oh my god, how awesome. Like, people are really responding to these characters. And... Um, Bonejack Bone out of the two is a much more uh, easier to swallow character and he's um, he's kinder and nicer and has a moral center whereas when I started writing Teen Ape, the Teen Ape that you all know, Teen Ape was in truth be told, Teen Ape was an amalgamation of all the high school assholes that I knew, um, jockey type, real shitty males, and Casey. He was a version of these guys and what Casey was becoming. Uh, and that was Teen Ape. Uh, and he is probably the most vile character I've ever created. Um, and it, I mean... You know, we would have fans that thought that that was like, you know, like how I thought. And, you know, so they'd be like, yeah, you know, that teenage is really, they would just love it. And they'd, they'd sympathize with him and like talk about, you know, busting bitches. <laughs> I was just like, this, this is not how I think. This is not what I believe. This is a caricature and a stereotype. But some people, you know, really took it to heart. Uh, but that's not what it was. And the character... Um, so anyway, so these guys became popular. And it got to a point where almost everything that I was doing had to have Teen Ape and Bone Jack in them. Uh, so... <clears throat> so... <laughs> so let's do... Yeah, so now, so Teen Ape and Bojack shows up in a lot of these, but, um, primary, oh man, so, if you, if you're looking for prime time Teen Ape and Bojack, so these are some of the films, and, and these were all, what I'm showing you now, other than one of them, these were all, uh, Tempe video releases. So, we did <clears throat> Bloody Giblets. This is a pure LBP release, um, which has Teen Ape doing <laughs> nefarious things. And this is about a, 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 you know, a weird demon who comes to steal nutsacks and because of what Teen Ape did in the, in the 1800s, because he has t a time machine. That was one of the dumb things that 
early on Teenape, I had Teenape have was a watch time machine, and he could set, you know, basically so that he could go and rip through pussy through time. <laughs> because his time was just not enough. So that's why Teenape had a wrist time machine. Vile. Uh, so Bloody Giblets. Um, and then Teen Ape is a uh, co-star in Carnage for the Destroyer, which is, the, the original title was Apollyon the Destroyer, and then Tempe changed it. And this is basically a heavy metal uh, comedy horror film set in a um, Halloween haunted attraction. And Teen Ape does some Teen Ape stuff. <laughs> and they have to all fight this uh, Greek warrior god Apollyon. Um, and then <clears throat> we did Destruction Kings, which was something that when the whole Teen Ape and Bone Jack thing started, uh, we started concocting this idea of doing like a bad boys style, you know, Teen Ape and Bone Jack. Um, and so early on I created this thing called the PIA, the Paranormal Investigation Agency. And that was a, uh, a group within a lot of the films and Tina and Bonejack were a part of this this underground group. Um, later, it became its own thing, and like lots of different people joined the PIA. And then later, uh, I'll talk about the PIA. <clears throat> but the PIA was created very early on, and so Destruction Kings was basically about the PIA trying to take out Dracula, Wolfman, Frankenstein, all that stuff. It was it was the LBP version of the Monster Squad, basically. Um, and it's just fun and it's goofy and it didn't what I had written was not what was shot what I wrote was extremely epic what we shot was non-epic <laughs> but it still has its merits it's still fun and at the time it was probably the biggest thing that we had done um, so there's that and then <clears throat> so these three films are really truly like uh, well, no, these two films, I guess Destruction Kings, this film, and this film are really like the last hurrahs of Teen Ape. Um, because I was just truly getting sick of writing the character. Casey was getting sick of playing the character. And it was just being overdone. And I wasn't having fun doing that shtick anymore. It was just kind of like annoying. And the joke was over, right? Uh, so these were sort of like the swan songs. Even though... There were two more movies after these that came out, but I don't, I don't count them, and I don't think anybody else counts them either. <laughs> uh, so this was Teen Ape Goes to Camp, which was my rollicking 80s camp movie uh, with Teen Ape antics and the gang and the characters and all that stuff, um, and it's super fun, super silly, and it has a twist. Um, this is a double feature, two of my flicks, Film Crew and Wet Heat. Film Crew is a uh, slasher comedy set in a movie theater, and Wet Heat is basically my escape from New York, but with Teen Ape as the Snake Plissken character. <laughs> and it's got guns and action and shitty CGI and all sorts of stuff, but they're both really great movies, and... Truly Teen Ape Swan Song in Wet Heat. It really was, um, as far as everybody involved was concerned. Um, 
Oh, here's another one. So let's do some of these earlier ones as well. Uh, oh, I can't forget these. Um, yeah, I mean a lot of, a lot of stupid shit, folks. A lot of stupid shit. Uh, all right, so I did this flick, blood trim. <laughs> Again, you can only get from me. Sorry. Yeah, but it's like, oh man, I passed out. Noel isn't home from work yet either, so I'm confused. <clears throat> um, so blood trim. This this you can only get from us, uh, and um, a bunch of years later, we ended up making a blood trim too, which got stolen, and the master got stolen. So. It's it's a it's a lost classic, if you will. Blood Trim was really dumb. It's a it's a goofy sex comedy. It also takes place on Halloween, uh, which I love to. I love shooting during the Halloween season. It's just just so much fun. So I love making these. I'll be saying that a lot because uh, I have a lot of movies set on Halloween. Um, this is about <laughs> this is about a Jamaican zombie who sips period blood from from women uh, <laughs> uh, it's goofy and it also has Michael Jackson in it there was a couple flicks where we did where we had our version of Michael Jackson where my ex-wife played Michael Jackson very hilariously uh, so it's like a bunch of sorority girls or whatever having a Halloween party getting in with the Ouija stuff and they summon Desmond St. Croix the Jamaican zombie who sits period <laughs> With extras. Um, okay. Oh, we can't forget these. <laughs> then we did a series of films, and they showed up in a bunch of different uh, movies throughout the years. Um, I created these characters called Heather and Pugly um, for a series of shorts that we did called Apartment 22. And Apartment 22 was only seen on VHS and um, at conventions. That's it. So one of the shorts on Apartment 22 was called 12 Inches of Dangling Fury. <laughs> and I loved the characters so much. And they were played by Meredith Host and my ex-wife. And they just, the chemistry was so good. The writing that I wrote for these guys was so good. The performances, everything was good. So I wanted 12 Inches to be its own thing. So we ended up doing a DVD a little bit later down the road for 12 Inches of Dangling Fury. Um, and then, like I said, I loved them so much that I created this series called Heather and Pugly 
do something, right? Like, Ernest does this and Ernest does that. So, the first of those... Now, first of all, you can get 12 Inches of Dangling Fury as an extra on my film I Spit Chew on Your Grave, <laughs> which we will get to. Uh, so, Heather and Pugly, the first Heather and Pugly movie outside of 12 Inches was Heather and Pugly Drop a Deuce. Now, these, these you can only get through me. Um, and... Much like the Anal Paprika films where Alfred, Simon, Alf, I mean, John Simon and Alfred and Toddy would have to solve and go on these crazy, mystical, evil adventures, Heather and Pugly would have to thwart some sort of evil as well. So in Heather and Pugly Drop a Deuce, there's a sexy alien who wants to uh, replenish her planet by stealing the Earth's farts from, from people. And Heather and Pugly have to stop it. And then a few years later, we did Heather and Pugly Crucify the Devil. So Heather and Pugly basically take down the devil. And then the last of the Heather and Pugly films um, that anybody has seen, as far as their own films, they did show up in other films, but as their own films was... 2006 in Heather and Pugly Cockblock the Apocalypse, which was basically a Harry Potter spoof with wizards and warlocks and witches, and Heather and Pugly have to take down an evil warlock uh, with uh, something silly and gross that happens and all that stuff. So, yeah, those are the Heather and Pugly films. Um, and then... <clears throat> Uh, characters, folks. You'll see that. That's a theme. I, I create a lot of weird and goofy characters. Then there was a group uh, of characters I created called, uh, called Jill, um, Stefan, and Mowgli. And it was a trio. It was best friends who went to Bone Jack High. And they were basically the Scooby gang. <laughs> and they would solve mysteries and <laughs> there's definitely a theme a lot of spooky shit is happening at bone jack heights which was the town crazy stuff you don't want to go to bone jack heights uh so uh the first of those was the ghoulish chronicles from from bone jack high uh which is an epic in its own right it has a ton of extras and behind the scenes and all that stuff and they have to th they have to stop a a ghoulish pedophile basically <laughs> uh and then those characters went on and starred in house on bonejack hill which has ghouls ghosts unicorns um and all sorts of weird shit happening um, and then they also show up in Destruction Kings and, and just throughout, throughout. Um, then I did this short, uh, called Teen Ape and Bubbles, Twas the Funk Before Christmas, which was one of a few Christmas specials we also did. Uh, this also you can only get from me. Um, this is 2006. Teen Ape and Bubbles, which are characters. Bubbles is a, like, weird creature. We call him a Gilgamesh creature. He's not an ape. Um, and he's obsessed with weed. 
And uh, he's just this creature that hung out with Teen Ape and also shows up in a bunch of movies here and there. Um, now this, this was interesting, and we're not going to go into it. I'm sure down the road if you watch the documentary that a certain Zack Attack is making about me and my films, uh, it'll be touched upon. But Karaoke Kid is a very unique and different film for us. Uh, it was... It could have done something for us, but it didn't. There's a lot of mystery and, and, and tension around this film. But anyway, so we made this movie, uh, which was a comedy, um, Chris Seaver version of the Karate Kid, the Karaoke Kid. Uh, a lot of the, the themes and, and beats from Karate Kid are recreated and spoofed in this film. Um, 2006 as well. Uh, you can only get this from me. Um, and yeah, so it's a goofy, spoofy, comedy, silly version of the Karate Kid, only with karaoke, people rocking the mic, you know, fighting adversity. <laughs> um, okay, we can talk about I Spit You on Your Grave, which is our, uh, grindhouse film. It's our, uh, you know, spoof on I Spit on Your Grave and all those, like, snuffy evil horror films from the 70s um, it's really stupid really fun uh, was a blast to make because it was so silly um, and it's it's in that style that grindhousey style um, but in this one the girls rape the guy and then the guy gets revenge <laughs> instead of the other way around and the guy just happens to be Lobager Pictures' favorite character, a favorite character of Leo DeChamp, played by Josh Swire. So, you know, it's going to be gold. And this has, um, wait, I was wrong. This does not, this is not, the, the extra 12 Inches of Dangling Fury is not on this. I'm sorry. 12 Inches of Dangling Fury is on a different release. But we'll get there. Um, oh, let's, uh, what do we got here? Okay. Oh, so, uh, um, again, the 80s theme. I love 80s everything. Uh, I pump 80s homages into everything I do, and this was a huge one. So this was a mix of Ski School and Teen Wolf. And this is Ski Wolf. Uh... This one, I mean, it's, it is exactly what, it's a teen sex 80s comedy where a guy turns into a wolf and then is able to ski. <laughs> Just like Teen Wolf and Teen Wolf 2, T-O-O. -O. Um, I've always thought how fun it would be to do like Surf Wolf and on and on, he just kind of, and the character just kind of got different sweet abilities. So he could, you know, <laughs> roller skate, so skate wolf, surf wolf, you know, cooking wolf, <laughs> you know. Um, but this was fun. This has a, a couple, a bunch of these have like porn stars, big, big boob, uh, big all natural boob porn stars and a lot of this stuff. Um, and this one does too, Alex Lakehurst. 
Um, this was fun. This uh, was shot on a ski slope, shot at a ski lodge. Uh, yeah, Ski Wolf. Um, 80s, full-on 80s. I love fantasy films. I love the barbarian genre. I love fantasy genre. I, of course, love Arnold. I love Stallone. And this was our big, big squash-up of all of that. Uh, Death Bone, uh, where me, Trent Haga, and Billy Garbarina created the character of Death Bone. I went off and wrote it, and it became Death Bone, Third Blood, Part 7, The Blood of Death Bone, <laughs> which was also to poke fun at all the subtitles and everything from the 80s. Um, I'm not a huge fan of this, only because I, you know, uh, I know what it took to make and it was a hell of a time to make it, and ultimately the quality of the picture didn't turn out the way I wanted it to. But it's still funny, and it's still the introduction to Deathbone. And Deathbone is a reoccurring character who I love to write, and Billy loves to play, Billy Garbarina. And fans seem to like Deathbone. So that's that. Uh, Deathbone also shows up in Moist Fury. Which was which is sort of my uh, Savage Streets exploitation girls, girl gang exploitation film Moist Fury, um, really shitty, really cheesy. Uh, truth be told, there's only like a handful of movies that I actually love that I make, even though I write and direct them. I just it's the way they turned out, the way the bad vibes shooting certain things, it just sticks with me. Uh, Moist Fury, some people love it. If you love seeing a bunch of sweet, sexy broads acting tough and hanging out with Deathbone. Um, I also did a movie that I don't have the cover here anymore, and I'm not sure why, but I make it. I made it early on. It was called Scrotal Vengeance, uh, which you can still get from me. You just can't get the cover. I just offer it in a sleeve and as an extra. Um, but Scrotal Vengeance also is... is Teen, teen Ape, the character of Razor McBleed, which was created then. Oh no, it was created in Anal Paprika 2, um, and then went on, and so he's in... It's basically a vampire who loves Journey, and he wants to turn everybody into Journey-loving vampires, and Teen Ape and his friend Skeet Depula have to stop it. Scrotal Vengeance, man. Um... Let's see, let's do these films, okay, and this, and this, oh, these are terrible, some of them are terrible. Um, so, <clears throat> then we do the 80s slasher films, going to the lake, doing that whole thing, Terror at Blood Fart Lake. And then return to Blood Fart Lake. Uh, and people really love these movies. And I don't like two, but I love part one. We had such a good time making part one. And it's still funny to this day to me. Um, we did some really cool shit. Um, and it's a, you know, slashery on a lake killer uh we're taking good old classic jimmy van brunt and turning him into a scarecrow killer uh jimmy van brunt is a is a real life person who is a friend of uh casey and me uh it's one of casey's best friends actually he that he grew up with 
and that I got to know in the uh, mid-90s. Um, and we just, Jimmy Van Brunt became a recurring thing throughout just life and all of my films. And I would have the name and, and create characters for Jimmy Van Brunt throughout all the films. Uh, even though, and Jimmy, Jimmy Van Brunt is actually in Anal Paprika 3. But Billy Garbarina is playing the scarecrow killer Jimmy Van Brunt in the two Terror Blood Fart Lake films. Again, people really love these films. Leo DeChamp is a character. Silly Gore. Uh, great uh, locations. Um, the first time we really went HD. Um, and really fun, stupid, silly absurdity. Uh, okay. The, uh... So this is this is a double feature. Ugh. This also has "I Spit You on Your Grave" as a as a double feat as a extra feature on it. But so we did this. We did a couple of films for SRS Cinema, and they were like they really wanted these redneck horror movies, and I just that stuff just doesn't appeal to me, and I don't even like writing rednecky type shit. It's just not. It does nothing for me. So. I did them as shitty as I could. I didn't really put any heart and soul into them, and that's what this Evil Dead Inbred Rednecks, which is not my title at all, um, but the company's title and the company's cover and everything, but it's just plain stupidity. While there's some very funny stuff in there because it's so silly and stupid, as a film, it's just not good. Um, but I Spit Joy in Your Grave is... That was great. So, but we did another one, uh, one of these redneck shit, shit comedy horror movies, and it's garbage. It's out there. I don't even own it. There's some movies of mine that I don't even own. <gasps> Sorry. Um. <clears throat> now, up till this time, 2010, at th this movie, Geek War, this was the favorite film that I had ever done at the time. This is so. Um, different from all the other stuff that I had done. Um, it is just a straight-up uh, weird geeky comedy, absurd comedy, um, about love and geekiness and comic books and nerdity and being yourself. And uh, I don't know. It's heartfelt, and it really means a lot to me, and not a lot of people have seen it. But it's one of the very few films of mine that I absolutely love. Geek War. If I had the money, if I were given the money and more time, uh, this is something that I would probably do again, either similar or I would remake it on a bigger scale and so people could actually see it. <clears throat> but you can get it. Um, okay, this, you know, this is, well, this one I hate as well. <laughs> this was a, this is straight up cash grab. This was because uh, myself and the company talked about it. The real film was huge at the time. Uh, so what do you do? You poke fun at it and uh, you make the company a lot of money. And I'm sad that I didn't see barely nothing compared to uh, what the company made off this film. So this is called Taint Light. Of course, it's making fun of the Twilight series, and my title was Twatlight, but the company that put this out didn't want that. 
we recreated the cover. Uh, these are my my friends, my actors. So it's our version of Twilight. It's gross, silly, stupid, not really well produced. Um, um, but you know, we did it on purpose. I mean, it's it's shit on purpose because those films, you know, people love them. That's great, but not for me. Not and not for the people making these movies. So we reluctantly did it. Uh, sometimes you just got to pay your rent, and uh, I did. And Taint Light was born. And I, I'm not a fan of this movie, but you know, some people like it. <clears throat> um. So then we did a movie, uh, sort of um, my version of Phantom of the Opera. I'm not the biggest fan of this film. The uh, the fake trailers that were made that we put together for this and my friends put together for this uh, are kind of better than the film. Um, and I think it's just because of what it was like to make the movie. But people seem to like it and some of the characters are really funny. And uh, there's moments that I love, and I, th I thought I wrote something pretty decent, but to each their own, you know. But, so it's called Phantom of the Grindhouse, um, and it's, uh, you know, a bunch of kids putting on a horror marathon at a theater, trying to save the theater, but living in the, uh, the bowels of the theater is uh, the Phantom, <laughs> who is a combination of Michael Jackson and Prince... Uh, and magical, like a magic man. Uh, weird shit, but fun, stupid, stupid characters. Looks really great. Um, ska, ska, ska. And that's the thing, if you love ska music, like I do, you're gonna hear a lot of ska in my movies. Um, and that's just what I did. I, I had a lot of ska bands who were in my corner and let me use a lot of their music from their catalog and it worked out beautifully. Um, so here was the... Now this was cool. This I actually really love. Um, it kind of falls apart, the second story, but that's... Again, it's a lot of... It's my fault, behind the scenes, making of, shit like that. I wanted to write and direct something like Parks and Recreation. Uh, where it feels like it's a documentary, mockumentary type thing, and the cameras are always going. And it's the day in the life of the paranormal investigation agency. So I made PIA, and you got to see the inner workings of the shitty, underground, low-budget paranormal investigation agency from the series of films that I've made throughout the years. And this was the culmination, sort of. And this was really different and it was different for us to do and shoot it was different for the cast because they really had to be on their toes as far as the script was concerned um and we just made it work and i really love it i think it's great uh paranormal investigation agency yeah fun fun flick um but so in 2010 at the tail end of 2010 i decided to close down low budget pictures and then start Warlock Home Video. And Warlock Home Video was really a way for me to sort of go back to my roots of making shot on video, shot on VHS video horror like I was doing in the 80s and 90s. Um, and it was just much more fun. And a lot of those films that you could rent from the shelves uh, 
they had their heart in the right place, but the the production, what you were seeing was subpar. So, you know, the dialogue was terrible. The 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 quality of the film was terrible. The editing was bad. Um, you know, boom mics were in shots. The effects were silly. But man, did they have their heart in the right place. And that's what I was doing, you know? And that's what I was loving. So I wanted to go back to that. So it was a series of shot on VHS films in addition to um, shot in HD or shot in 4K films. So the whole shtick of Warlock was these guys, us, E.W. Swackhammer, <laughs> and all these, this gang putting money together and buying this old film production company, Warlock Home Video, that was prevalent in the late 80s, early 90s. And what if we found that stuff and re-released them all on fresh DVD, you know, or Blu-ray? And that's what it was. And some people actually bought that it was a real, like, wow, you found these and re-released them? And I would get so much stuff from people, and people actually saying, I remember that film. <laughs> But none of it was from back then. We shot it all new at the time. So in 2011, after many, many years of LBP, uh, I guess it was 20 years. After 20 years of LBP, I shot all that stuff down because I was getting burned out and we just started doing Warlock Home Video. And Warlock, we started the Warlock stuff with Dibecue. <laughs> Uh, a, a rat with radioactive mutant powers pisses on a barbecue. The people who eat it turn into zombies. <laughs> um, we got the wonderful, wonderful artist Jeff, Jeffrey Sisson to create all of the art for us for all the earlier Warlock films. And he did just that. And he knew exactly what we were going for. Because, man, those 80s films, you... you, you you grab those films off the shelf because the artwork was amazing. And then the movie inside was fucking terrible. And that's what we were trying to emulate and bring back. Um, so DiBQ was the first of that. And then we did... And I have these on DVD, but I'm going to show you the Blu-ray. Then we did um, the Death O'Lantern series. Death O'Lantern 1 and 2 were shot on video. And then Death O'Lantern the remake was shot 4K. Um which is right here. And this series, we actually all really love. Um, they're shot on, I mean, shot, yeah, shot for Halloween. They're Halloween horror comedies. Um, played straight, played real. Um, but we really got the footing with the Death of Lantern movies. And they have that feel of late 80s, early 90s shot on video. Um, Stingy Jack, the actual lore uh, of Halloween, the actual character we brought into these and turned into our slasher, mystical slasher, and they're extras, they, they're a lot of, they have extras, they're a lot of, they're just super fun, and it's, it's heartwarming to get fans saying that the Death of Lantern films are in their holiday rotation, which is awesome, so cool. Um, so yeah, the Death of Lantern films... On Blu-ray, we also they are on DVD, so you can get the Death of Lantern. The remake is not on DVD, so you can't get that on DVD. Um, and then our another line of Christmas comedy horror films, played straight. Uh, Happy Holidays, 
Um, a orphan kid, orphan baby gets thrown on the steps of a sorority and then grows up and becomes a, you know, sex-obsessed killer. Uh, but I don't want to give too much away. But, uh, yeah, happy holidays. Really stupid, really fun, really silly. Uh, gross, silly gore. And the introduction of Skippy, played by Andrew Baltus, who is a uh, alumni of LBP and Warlock, and one of my best friends. Um, and then, and then we did. Uh, where is it? Oh, where is it? Is it downstairs? Oh no, here it is. <laughs> we did the, the Warlock classic, the Dingleberries, which is like. Um, Critters, ghoulies, munchies, all that shit. Uh, so these are space turds that come and, and devour a small town. <laughs> and an alien bounty hunter like Critters has to come down and stop the space turds. Really stupid, really funny. Another thing I need to mention is... We're also... Well, I'm a big fan... And most of the gang are big fan of horror hosts and Elvira and Zachary and the Ohio horror hosts and all those guys. So, chiller theater, all that type of stuff. Um, so the introduction of all the Warlock films, at least the earlier ones, we ha our mascot was the Warlock, and he was this hooded guy who would introduce the films. Um, and it was also poking fun at brain damage films. And there was this dude in the front of these shot on video movies from brain damage films. And he would, he, it was the guy who run, ran the company. Um, and he was this beleather clad punk dude who always wore sunglasses and had his hair spiked up. And he would talk like this. Greetings, gorehounds. <laughs> and so it was our version of a horror host and poking fun at the brain damage intro guy. <laughs> so the warlock would intro these films. The warlock is a mystery. Well, everybody knows who the warlock is. But I'm not going to tell you folks in case you are a new fan or a new uh, grabber of these films and you want to keep the warlock a mystery. So the warlock would introduce those films. Uh, so we did that one. And then we got Great Aunt B An Evening with Great Aunt Bedelia. Directed by Toby Larone. You know, Toby, Toby Lerone, Jackson Furley, or Rudy Belafonte. They were, the, they were the directors of Warlock Home Video and very prolific directors. And, uh, this is a, an evening with Great Aunt Bedelia. Spooks and gore and old grannies and <laughs> demons and all that stuff. Oh, the, oh, the sex comedies to, all, all se to end all sex comedies that has zero sex in it. Stoinky Beach! <laughs> the, the movie that started a stoinky revolution with a stoink mare before Christmas. What else is there, Zach? <laughs> uh, stoink something. Stoink mare on Halloween Street. A stoink mare on Halloween Street. Stoinky Beach. Uh, is there another stoinky? There could be, I don't know. But there should be. We're going to do more Stoink, Stoink this, Stoink that. We have Stoinky University, Stoinky Beach 2, Stoink, you know, we have Stoinky Academy, <laughs> Stoinky Lake. <laughs> it, 
it can go on and on. And people may not like Soinky Beach, but as far as the people who made it, me and the group, we fucking love this movie. It is so stupid. We love it so much. It is just pure stupidity. And if you like dumb sex comedies with no sex, from the 80s, you're going to love Stoinky Beach. Um, okay, so, so then we did a movie that I actually... Well, we did two of them. The first one, I love to death. The second one, we hate to death. And uh, it was a mistake making it. I wish I didn't make it. Um, I wish the uh, original uh, cover was here. If you're getting it from me, you're getting the original cover. Uh, but So this is so Sex Sexquatch and Sexquatch 2, Teenage versus Sexquatch. And this is one of those times where Teenage came back. Much to the chagrin to me, to Casey, to everybody involved. And he, he should have been left dead. Um... So, Sex Squatch 1, though, and if you get it from me, you can. it's also a double feature on Blu-ray with Sex Squatch 2. But Sex Squatch 1, I absolutely love. It was a blast to make. A group of kids go party at a summer home out on a lake because they want to get their friend laid. Um, and who's he going to pick? Is he going to pick his buddies to have sex with? They're all vying for his sexual affection. Um, but, oh no! The Sex Squatch from the planet Bucks, But Sex A Lot Prime comes down to rape and kill unsuspecting people. He, it's not just women, it's men, women, animals, it doesn't matter. The Sex Squatch is a, is a non binary <laughs> sexual beast who will take out anybody and get his rocks off any way he can. Um, so I absolutely love the first Sex Squatch. Sex Squatch 2 has a couple of moments, but man, that was a that was a rough go and it was one of those films and a long line of films I've made that I shouldn't have made. Much like the trauma movie we made for trauma and I don't have and don't recommend to anybody. Um but you can get those Sex Squatch movies from me. Oh, the Blue Cheese Brothers. <laughs> You can only get from me. This was a weird-ass, gross, weird, bizarre, absurdist, Ernest P. Worrell fan film that we made. It's a little too not family-friendly whatsoever. Really gross out, really silly, really absurd. The Blue Cheese Brothers. Uh, these brothers who want to resurrect Jim Varney's from hell, according to my mythology, so that he can make A Nightmare on Vern Street, uh, the last Ernest film. And then there's some crazy stuff that happens. The devil is a woman, and she she won't let loose the grip of Ernest. <laughs> so these brothers have to fight the devil for, the, for Ernest. It's just stupid, and this is the only place you can get it from me, the Blue Cheese Brothers. It's dumbass shit. Ah! This one, I also love. This is also, this is special. Um, Evil Knight. So, the very first person who ever saw potential in my 
in the stuff that I was making was a guy named Todd Cook from Texas. Um, and early in the 90s, I sent a bunch of my work to him because I found his company in the back of a Fangoria magazine. So um, starting from like 1993, I, I have had this relationship with Todd Cook. Um, and he, he was a filmmaker himself, but he also had this distribution company called Cemetery Cinema. Everything VHS, of course. Um, so, in uh, so he made a movie in the '90s, early '90s, that I loved. Um, he a bunch of movies he, he made that I, I loved, and uh, but this one was called Evil Knight, and it's basically a nerd who who gets pushed around to so much to where he comes up with some. You know, he's a brilliant kid. He comes up with this serum to to you know, move things with his mind and, and he can he can kill with telekinesis and all this stuff, so he, he gets revenge on uh on all those bullies, right? So in I guess twenty fourteen, Todd and I were talking and the idea of me remaking uh Evil Knight was struck up and the idea just seemed very appealing to me and fun and what a what a love letter and great homage to Todd from me you know um just a, like a thank you for everything he's done for me and the inspiration and friendship and um so I did Chris Seaver's version of Evil Knight um and we had such a fun time making this movie and it also has uh bbw porn star marilyn mason in this film and she's super funny and she's great and i think she's going to be working on a project coming up in 2020 with me um but this is just fun it's it, it it's the basic story of the nerd being bullied um taking revenge doing the telekinesis thing all that good stuff, and uh, we're able to use the actual mask that was used in Evil, the original Evil Knight. He sent it to me, and we used it for the film, and we just had a blast doing it, and it was fun to shoot it, and really silly characters, over the top. It looks fantastic, thanks to Clint Kelly, um, and it just worked out really well, and it's got a lot of extras, and it has... Um, the real Todd Cook on here talking about his original version of the film along with our extras and all that good stuff and commentaries and whatnot but Evil Knight I really I, I really dig this film and um, people seem to like it as well so give it a shot um, alright and so in 2015 um there wasn't a real, like, so the movie started slowing down in 2014, and we only made one movie uh, in 2014, one movie in 2015, and one movie in 2016, and I really haven't made anything since, um, other than the goofy, shitty little stoink mare on Halloween Street, which is supposed to be a shitty, stoinky, no-nothing. But an actual movie, you know, feature... Nothing. Um, 
And while Deathland in the remake in 2016 was okay, again, not it it definitely it definitely was a well, this is kind of a nail in the coffin sort of I thing for me to say, okay, I'm I got to stop. This this just isn't working out anymore and my heart's not in it and blah blah blah. So, Deathland the remake has its moments. I really consider this film that we made in 2015 sort of the last of the good Chris Sieber films <laughs> and when we all sort of gave a shit. Or more more accurately when I gave a shit. Um, because I put a lot of myself into this script and into making the movie. And I think, for the most part, everyone gave me 110%. And they were behind this film. Um, and this is called The Weirdsies. Uh, and The Weirdsies, this is the only way, I am the only person you can get it from. Unfortunately, The Weirdsies does not have a wide release. Um, but it is my favorite film I've ever made. Uh, there are certainly funnier films that I've made throughout the 29 years. But this is the best film I think myself and as a collective group have made together. And I'm very proud of it. And it's fun. It looks fantastic. Uh, great performances, and I'm just really happy with this movie, and I wish more people got to see this movie. Um, it may still have a life one day, uh, perhaps online sometime. Um, or not. I don't know. But I have the memories. Um, this has commentary. Uh, you can get it here from me. Um but I love it, and it's it's sort of like, it's a really goofy, absurd, heartfelt uh, version of Stand By Me, but with girls, uh, Chris Seaver absurdity, and a lot of heart and soul and 80s love is in the weirdies. Uh, so, and I've made a bunch of more movies that... I don't even own. I don't have here. Um, some because I really hate them. Some because I just, for some reason, don't own them. Like, there is a Mulva 2 that people seem to like. Um, that was kind of a spoof of... Not really kind of, but an absolute spoof of Kill Bill. Um, but it worked beautifully with the mythology of my films and Mulva and Teen Ape. And it's called Mulva 2 Kill Teen Ape. Um, for some reason, I don't have that. Um, but it's out there. People can get it. Um, and then I've made some other stuff that I'm just not going to talk about or show. Or, but, you know. Really, if you want to get the goods, if you want to get the nitty-gritty, the stuff uh, that a lot of people just haven't seen or are, are able to get, you just get it from me, the source, the filmmaker. Because it helps me live, folks. It absolutely does help me live uh, 100%. Starving artist is real. Uh, so that's it. That's a little, that's some stuff from Low Budget Pictures, Warlock Home Video, me as a filmmaker. Um, if you want to get a hold of me and get some of these, uh, you can get a hold of me at warlockhomevideo at gmail.com. 
Um, you can talk to me through my Instagram, which is uh, it crept from the 80s. You can talk to me here, right in the, the comments. Um, I, I, as I said, I do great bundle deals. Um, you, can get a, you can get a whole mess of my movies for a pretty cheap price. Um, the more you get, the more money I take off. Because I know, you know, it's hard out there, and I, and I, I don't charge a lot for my work. Um, so I want everyone to feel like they're getting worth it, that, 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 the, that it's worth it. It's worth the purchase. Um, so just get at me. And uh, if you want to talk horror and low-budget films and, you know, low-budget horror and, and <laughs> you know, all that good stuff, Please get at me. Of course, on this channel, there's a bunch of horror stuff on and off of the 80s. Uh, it's just a part of who I am from a, from a kid. Um, it just goes along with, the, with everything that formed me as a uh, you know, kid growing up in the 80s and now as an adult. And I love talking about it, uh, and it's something that I'll continue to love until my dying day. Um, filmmaking, on the other hand, I don't know. <laughs> uh, you know, I've tried to quit so many times. I've wanted to quit so many times. Um, but there is a passion inside that uh, just keeps saying, no, you have more ideas. Um, but is it worth it? I don't know. We'll see. I'm doing something different now in 2020. I'm not really going to talk about it on this channel. It's not uh, not the where, not where it needs to be. And we'll see how that goes. Um, but I'm staying creative. This channel is helping me stay creative. I love the community I have here. I love talking about the things that I love. I love talking about the 1980s. Love talking with you folks. Please comment, holla at me. Uh, and that's it. So thanks for watching. Um, and you old school, if there's fans out there on this channel of old school LBP and old school Warlock, I mean, and Warlock in general, uh, there's something coming down the road. Uh, from, not from me, uh, but, you know, stay tuned, because it, it might be something you'll really want to see, and, uh, might shed some light on some things, so, yeah, yeah. Okay, so, thanks for watching, I'll see you next time when I talk about 80s stuff. Bye, for now.